1: Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I am Kimberly Lewis, your host, and my goal is to make you aware of the best leadership practices, leadership trends, and thoughts about leadership. And we don't just talk about leadership, we also talk about business issues that leaders need to be aware of in order to lead their businesses successfully in today's global marketplace. And we have listeners from all over the globe today, and I would like to especially welcome all those global listeners, because today's episode is some about something that's going to affect your business, no matter where your business is. So good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, wherever you may be listening from today. And today, I'm broadcasting from the United States, and my guests will be calling in from Paris, France, and Vienna, Austria. So Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from gender balance and leadership to business values, anything that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download us on iTunes. In this series, we're going to hear great advice, leadership success stories, and you will learn about important global business issues that will impact you and your company. I invite to you to connect with me send me your thoughts and insights to leadership beyond borders at gmail.com tell me what you want to hear about i'd love to hear from you and and you can also download my personal podcast series on itunes called ponytail talk global advice from a female ceo pioneer so reach out to me and tell me what you think If you are in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful either for your business or yourself. Now, about today's series, data is valuable. Cloud computing and user-generated platforms based on data sharing are on the rise. And with the trends behind the Internet of Things, connected objects, and new technologies, the expectations on data anonymization, user control, and data providers' accountability is on the legislative forefront. And these are issues that leaders need to know about and issues they need to be concerned about. In the past, compliance requirements were largely driven by U.S.-based regulations, but that has changed in recent years. And Europe is driving many issues concerning the Internet. They've been the drivers behind the antitrust suit against Google, and they are now driving a law called GDPR, which deals with data protection. The European Union's parliament approved this law in 2016, and it's going to be effective in May 2018, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And I have two very great expert guests to talk with me today. The first is Stephanie Verliak. She is the European Affairs Manager for CINDA, the Search and Information Industry Association, and the owner of SVM Consult in France. She has 17 years experience in European affairs. She has worked in the European Parliament in the Secretariat Service of the EPP, which is European Parliament, and was rewarded the Francois Foundain Prize for her work in the EU, opening to the Visigod countries. Today, she works with companies and institutions, helping them understand and implement policies and procedures that meet European guidelines. And my second guest is Claudius Dietermann, and he has a degree in law from the University of Austria, specializing in IT law and data protection. He has worked as a legal advisor for the organization European Digital Rights in the fields of data protection and copyright in Brussels. And he has also worked for the Australian data protection organization EPICENTER. He has served as legal counsel for the prestigious firm Compass Verlag in Austria and is currently on the team at Kiernim-Trieb Attorneys at Law in Vienna, Austria. So it's evening, uh, you guys. So bonsoir, guten Abend, welcome. <laughs>
2: Hello. <laughs> Hello Kimberly, thank you for okay. the invitation.
1: Great, well it's great to have you. So um, let's just start out with something very basic because there's so many companies that really don't know even what the GDPR is, okay? So could one of you explain what this is?
3: So uh, just to explain first the acronym. So GDPR stands for General Data Protection Regulation. So uh, what, is this, uh, this, what does this, this acronym mean? Is that it is a new regulation uh, so a new EU set of rules on data protection and privacy. It's replacing another uh, EU corpus of law, which dealt with privacy and data protection before. But the new one of the biggest uh, new developments is that it's going to be a regulation, which means that it's going to be the same uh, principles applicable all across Europe. So if you want to compare a little bit with the U.S., you know, in Europe, we have 28 uh, member states, so member countries. And with directives, each country can transpose uh, the, uh, the terms into their own national law. With a regulation, it's a little bit like a federal law in, uh, in the U.S., so it's directly applicable all across uh, the 28 countries. Okay, so
1: it's one. It would be if you're listening from the United States. It's it's a it's a national law, and yeah. so it covers all member states. Okay, yeah. and is this a big change, Stephanie, from
3: the previous laws? Yeah. So one of the biggest change, as I said, is uh, this horizontal approach. So it means that you will have one set of law uh, applicable all across Europe. And uh, uh, one of the biggest changes also is that. Um, It's going to have, uh, as we're going to see later on, uh, it's going to have a broader range and scope of application. And it's about all EU citizens. So it means that uh, it's here to protect the privacy of all the European citizens. And um, it's uh, also changing uh, some of the rules that were already in place, reinforcing them to make sure that Data protection is now recognized as a very important right into the European Union. And, uh, and there are some other changes in the scope or uh, in the way uh, personal information is handled. So, Okay, so let's, um,
1: uh, Claudius, maybe you can help us a little bit, because we're talking about data. Well, what, or what kind of data are we talking about? What comes under this law?
2: well um the short answer would be um personal data uh, the long answer would be um any information uh, that is relating um to an identified or an ent- identifiable uh, natural person so um if you look at from the other perspective um uh, anonymized data uh, would not fall under the regulation
1: mm-hmm. okay so so uh, on me uh, what would that mean would that be me like um, you know, my, my name, my birthday, my phone, phone number, just a little, a couple examples for our listeners.
2: Yeah, um, sure. I mean, it can be um, just as simple as your name or um, your birthday or even, for example, um, your credit card number. Um, for other information, it might not be as clear. Um, for example, what about an IP address? Mm-hmm. This question was um, very controversial until last year when the European Court of Justice ruled that even a dynamic IP address can be considered personal data.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so so now just to, to put this together, this data, all the data about me, and I'm using Kimberly Lewis, okay, whether it's my birthday, my home address, my credit card, everything, okay, this is now going to be protected under this law. Is that correct? Just yes. To, okay. So now um, we're saying that this it protects me. So what does that mean for a company who has the data? Does it mean they can't use it, or what does that mean?
0: Um, no, it uh,
1: doesn't
3: mean. It doesn't really mean. Sorry, that you can't use it. It means that you have to obey certain rules. And uh, Claudius, you can, you're going to complete that. But uh, uh, you, you are. As a company, you are uh, perfectly entitled to process uh, data, but you need to get uh, either the user consent or to have a legitimate interest in data processing. And you need to respect some of the rules, like for how long you keep the data, for which purpose you are going to process this data, and, uh, and uh, to which recipient you're gonna, you're gonna send it. So, Okay. Okay, go ahead, Claudius.
2: Um yeah um maybe um when if we have um uh, listeners from the United States there's a little um, a difference because in in Europe we consider um a, a privacy or your right to privacy as a fundamental right so basically all data protection uh, processing is um forbidden unless um you have um, um an exemption or you are um, in this specific case allowed to process the data um if i understood it correctly um the the concept in the US is different like Basically, all data processing is allowed unless, for example, um, for children or um, other examples, it is limited.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. But this this new law, just to find out who is it applicable, okay, it covers me as a person, as a EU citizen, okay? So I'm located in the EU, it covers me, it gives me that protection. But my data... And I'm going to use myself as an example because um, I live in two European member states and I also am American. Um, So my data may be someplace in in American companies. So is this only about European companies or is this about American companies or Asian companies or Latin American companies that might have data?
3: no it's not only about european companies because one of the biggest uh, changes of the gdpr is uh, is that it extends the scope of application to any company if you are a company no matter where you are located in the world and you are targeting a european citizen uh, then you fall under the scope of the gdpr and targeting is a very has a very wide uh, meaning so, because it could be that, for example, you're uh, sending advertising uh, to a European citizen, or uh, you are uh, you are doing uh, digital marketing, or uh, you know any kind of other uh, targeting. It could be uh, digital. It could be physical, of course. So, uh, it's uh, really the idea is that uh, all the EU citizens are entitled to data protection and privacy protection from everywhere in the world uh, with the companies that are processing their data. Okay. So, so
1: Claudius, from the legal point of view, um, help me out a little bit. How, how do I know as a company if I'm impacted by this?
2: Um, yes, um, it even uh, goes uh, further and it, it does not only um, apply to EU citizens, it um, applies to any um, human uh, regardless of their citizenship. Um, the um, uh, breaking point is if the product or service you're offering um, uh, is um, in the EU. so um, the, you need to offer goods or services, to um, data subjects in the European Union or, and Mm -hmm. that's the second case, when you are monitoring um, the behavior of um, uh, people and if their behavior takes place within the European Union.
1: Mm -hmm. So using my example again, um, it doesn't matter if I have American citizenship, I live in two member states, and so I would definitely be protected under this law.
2: Yes, um, yeah. um, when you are in you know, Europe. Yes.
1: Yes, when I'm in Europe. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, good. So, uh, so I think that's one of the things that, that we see with um, a lot of companies, and we we're, we're You know, we have Asian companies. We're global for this broadcaster. So, I think the message here is, um, you may be impacted. And we're going to take a little bit of a break. And when we come back from that break, what I, I, what I want to talk about is, is what that means that companies have to do and, um, you know, what are the time frames that they have to do this in? And maybe we can use a couple of examples. So we're going to take a short break now. Thank you very much. And we are talking with Stephanie Verliak uh, European <laughs> Affairs Officer for the search and information industry in Europe, and she's contacting us from Paris, France, and Claudius Dietermann, who is a principal at Canerum Tree Attorneys at Law in Vienna. And if you'd like to get in touch with them, you can reach Stephanie at Stephanie at Cinda, S-I-I-N-D-A dot com. She also is has a website, uh, s VM and she's on LinkedIn and as well as on Twitter. And Claudius, can, you can reach him at Claudius Determin, that's D E T E R M A N N, at posteo, P O S T E O uh, dot D E. Claudius is also on Twitter under Claudius Determin1. And you can reach him through his company website at www.kt.at. And I'm Kimberly Lewis. You're listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel, and I'm a Leadership and cultural diversity expert, and also on the chairman of um, on the board of CINDA, Search and Information Association. So, if you have questions for me, you can reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com, or you can look at my website, globalbusinesstherapy.com. And with that said, we will be right back.
4: Having a lawyer in your court is always a good idea. Each week, Wagner and Winnick on the Law helps you sort out the legal issues and questions in a forum with judges, lawyers, and policy experts, answering your questions and discussing your personal rights within the legal system. Law school dean Mitchell Winnick, along with law professor Stephen Wagner, will discuss the sometimes ever-changing laws and policies to keep you in the know. Listen every Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. If you don't know the law, know a lawyer. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business.
0: Trends in global business
1: are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street. And now that competitor may be across the world. On Global
0: Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders, the Voice America's Business Channel's best-growing series. And we're talking today about data protection and how that can impact your business. Um, we have as guests Stephanie Verliak, EU officer of the Search and Information Association, and Claudius Dietermann, lawyer at Kneerim Treib, attorneys at law in Vienna. And they are both EU data experts. And um, so, uh, Steph, uh, Claudius, before we, we, we kind of gave our listeners an idea of, of how big and how deep this law is, okay? So, so let's just talk about um, what, what, do companies, what do companies have to do about this, okay? Um, you know, what does it mean to a company?
3: So, I think the first thing you have to do as a company is do a kind of data mapping exercise. Uh, which is also called the data protection impact assessment. So first thing is to see what kind of data you are processing and uh, to kind of map out uh, all the data processing uh, uh, exercise that are taking place in your company because it's going to involve not only uh, the legal part, but it's, it's going to involve basically all the departments of any company. It's involving marketing. It's involving customer service. It's involving IT. It is involving the board because uh, uh, the the uh, the way you are going to handle uh, your data protection is going to be is going to make a competitive difference uh, in the end. If you do it right and you are compliant, uh, it can give you a competitive advantage over others that are not doing it right. Mm. And uh, we we might talk about some examples later on on you know what uh, what uh, uh, concrete uh, impact: what fines and what uh, negative uh, reputational damages uh, getting data protection wrong can uh, can bring to companies. So my first uh, advice is do a data mapping exercise and do it all over all, all across your channels and departments. Second one is. Um, Try to know for which uh, purposes you are processing data and with whom you are sharing data. Uh, As an example, uh, everybody is having some uh, suppliers and uh, customers. You can also have some some, um, business partners who are handling data for you. With this new EU regulation, there is a joint liability for both data controllers and data processors. So it means that if you are outsourcing part of your data processing to other parts of the world, just make sure that you have solid contracts on data protection grounds with your your, uh, counterparts, with the people Mm -hmm. you outsource to, because you could be jointly liable if they do things wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to. I'd like to come back to liability in, in a few minutes, mm-hmm. and um, I just want to. I want to make sure that that. Uh, I mean, this is. Although this is not new, I mean, it came in 2016. Our experience, and I know Stephanie, you and I, and all three of our experiences, that so. A lot of companies don't really know about it and they don't understand about it. So I'd like to I'd like to try to put this into a little case study if it's okay. Um, and maybe Claudius, you can help me a little bit on what this means. So let's say I'm I'm a company in San Francisco and I organize tours in the Bay Area, okay? And I collect data from everybody who looks at my tours online. Um, You know, of course, some of them book it, but not everybody books it, but I'm capturing the data as they look. Um, They go to my website, they might make an inquiry. It doesn't mean they may follow through, but they're doing this. And then I do direct marketing to them, okay? And let's say that from all the people that go to my website for tours in the Bay Area, uh, 60% 60 are from Europe. Because it's a popular destination. So, what, what, what does this mean? This law mean to me as a company like that?
2: Well, um, the question is, um, if the law applies to you, it comes with a whole set of rules you need to uh, oblige. Um, so, the question, as we already mentioned before, it depends on whether you um, intentionally offer your service or your good to people in the EU. In the EU. So, um, the mere accessibility to a website um, from the European Union is not um, sufficient. But, for example, you really need to address your service to EU citizens or to people in the EU. For example, if you um, use a language or on your website, for example, Italian um, or German, or you um, use a currency like the, the euro that is used in member states, and, and this can prove your intention to offer this service to EU citizens or people in the EU, and therefore the GDPR applies to you and your service.
1: Okay, so if my website is in you know, German, Italian, French, and uh, I'm offering prices in the EU, then I may fa- I'll fall under this um, regulation then, is what I'm hearing
2: absolutely uh, if if um, uh, your intention uh, is obvious to offer service uh, in the EU then mm-hmm. that's already enough that the those um, uh, comprehensive rules apply to you and your business okay.
1: okay and and as far as my my direct marketing is concerned then so um um, what my direct marketing? How, how, can I? I mean, I've captured all these uh, these people over the years, so I have a database, and I send direct marketing out to them. So, um, what does that mean to me now? Okay, I have you know five years of people who have inquired, where I've captured um, captured email addresses, maybe phone numbers, maybe more. Uh, what do I have to do with that data now?
2: Yeah, you need to um, evaluate um, uh, whether um, you process it um, lawfully and especially in the uh, course of marketing, um, uh, targeted advertising is a big uh, issue and uh, therefore um, uh, it would fall under monitoring uh, the behavior of um, people who live in the EU as well. And uh, therefore the GDPR would apply and uh, yeah, with all its rules.
1: So this is not just going forward. What I'm understanding, it doesn't just start May 2018. This is anything I already have in my database. Is that yes, correct? Yes, exactly, exactly. Okay. Yeah, so, and you
3: need you need to, you need to make sure that you have a valid ground for processing all these data. So it could be based on consent. So if you if you have a consent, and consent should be an active consent. Like you can't say uh, because somebody visited my website. Uh, and you capture uh, his IP or her IP, and uh, you can't presume that it is consent. You need to have a formal email or something, uh, or you must prove that you have a legitimate interest in uh, processing this data. Mm-hmm. So, an
1: opt out wouldn't be an option. That if I no. say, you no, know, so if I send a direct mail to everybody and say, click here if you don't want it, that doesn't count anymore. Or does it? No. no? I have to get. I have to do an opt-in on this. Is that correct? No. Yeah, you
3: have to make sure that you have a formal consent from the from the recipient, especially on direct marketing and uh, on behavioral advertising tracking. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, there is a, a whole set of rules uh, saying that uh, you need to make sure that uh, the uh, the the person, the data subject. Uh, is aware uh, that you're doing some uh, something with with his or with her data. Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, yeah.
2: okay. And not only do you have to inform, uh, to have to get the consent of the people, you need to get an informed consent. Mm-hmm. So you would have to inform the the people. Um, about uh, all the data um uh, you process um, of them, and you need to uh, tell them who you are exactly and for what purpose you process their data. So just getting any consent is not um, um sufficient.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: So and you also need you also need to give them an access uh, and rectification right. Like if if you got my data and I want you to delist me and uh, I want you to. You know, you need to get this uh, access and erasure or rectification right right away. Mm-hmm. Is that is that a little bit
1: to do with the um, under this this data protection law, the right to be forgotten? Yeah. That, okay. So, can you just for our listeners, what what is the right to be forgotten under EU
3: law? So it, it, it's it, it's been really uh, promoted, let's say, with the with the all that relates to search information and to the fact that uh, one can ask to be dereferenced from search engine, and this would uh, entail a right to be forgotten. Uh, so this, GDPR, this new GDPR law uh, prevails uh, and sets uh, a right to be forgotten for every data subject. So uh, if I want to be delisted from all uh, search engines, uh, and I ask for that, then I have the right. I have this right and they have to
1: do it. And so that's even like Google or or Bing or anybody. So I could, I could say to Google and Bing uh, when somebody puts in Google, Kimberly Lewis or in Bing, you know, uh, or another search engine, then I won't come up if I, if I wanted that. Is that okay? So, so that's a, that's a lot of accountability on companies and leaders. Okay. Um, A really lot of accountability. And, uh, that's, uh, as you said, a lot to do. So, and I'm just thinking of some of the cases. Um, are there any, I'm thinking about a case that we just had recently um, in the United States with the um, Equifax case where, where actually this was hacked and a lot of data was stolen. So um, does hacking not count? Or does hacking count? Or is it my accountability to ensure that all that data is in a secure environment?
2: Um, When you are being hacked, um, it's called you're having a a data breach. And um, according to the the GDPR, it uh, does make a difference whether you um, give away um, data intentionally or if you just uh, lose it um, due to a lack of um, security measures. It can uh, lead to the imposition of fines, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So Equifax,
3: yeah, and, uh, and Equifax yeah. should be happy that the GDR hasn't started yet. <laughs> I mean, if, if that would happen under the GDPR, Equifax would have had to notify the data breach within 72 hours. Okay, we're and I think call- they took like two months. <laughs> yeah, so, so
1: and then but there was another recent case, Stephanie, and in Europe that kind of gives this example on on how protective this with um in Spain with Facebook. It wasn't there. Yeah, for-
3: yeah. So uh, there, there was a very recent. Actually, it happened yesterday. So uh, it's the, the Spanish Data Protection Authority uh, which fined uh, uh, Facebook. Uh, for data protection breach for uh, about a million euros. So uh, we're talking big money here. And uh, the the reason is that uh, uh, they consider that uh, Facebook didn't get uh, sufficiently informed consent uh, for uh, processing all the data that they are processing, not only for Facebook itself, but for all the location data or the, uh, the related data that... Uh, that uh, Facebook is using, for example, when, you, when you're using the app and they track, uh, they track you or they suggest some friends in the surrounding or all these additional features, um, the Spanish uh, DPA uh, thinks that uh, they should have had uh, uh, some more uh, specific consent for all these features. Mm-hmm. So it's not yet uh, settled. I mean, obviously, Facebook is going to appeal on that. Uh, But it shows that uh, the data protection authorities in Europe are ready to go for the big players. Yeah.
1: so this yeah so for our listeners and and companies around the world uh, if they're if they're going after Facebook then we're sh- we're looking at some serious stuff here okay right? um, and um, serious stuff that leaders and companies will have to pay attention to so um, uh, we're gonna take another little break and when we come back I, I just like to talk about the accountability a little bit more um, you know the breach notification what happens um, Claudius a little bit of when is harm done? When is not harm done? And then kind of kind of wrap up from both of you um, on if I'm a leader of a company, what should be the first step I'm going to do again, okay? So we are uh, talking on Leadership Beyond Borders, uh, about data protection. We're talking about two experts here. Stephanie Verlihack, and she is uh, the EU um, EU director at the CINDA Search and Information Association uh, in Europe, and Claudius Dietermann, who is uh, an expert in data protection and on the legal team at Kerem Treib, attorneys of law in Austria. And uh, if you want to reach out to these two, you can reach out to Stephanie at Stephanie at Cinda, S-I-I-N-D-A dot com. She's on Twitter at Stephanie Verliak. Uh, she's on LinkedIn at Stephanie Verliak Marz- Marzan, Marzin. Okay. Sorry, Steph. Okay. And uh, I never, you never use your last name. So, okay, so that the second last name. And, uh, and Claudius at Claudius Dieterman at post. Posteo, that is P-O-S-T-E-O dot D-E, or under his company's website at www.kt.at. Claudius is also on LinkedIn, and you can reach out to them. And he's also on Twitter under d term one And I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, uh, CEO Uh, leadership expert cultural diversity expert and also general manager of search and information association in europe and if you have questions for me please reach out to leadership beyond borders at gmail.com my website globalbusinesstherapy.com and you can look at cinda's website at cinda.com and we'll be right back after the break
4: Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN, CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjoke All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoke All at CIOTalkNetwork.com. Are you a business innovator, or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. How is your company's marketing plan? Could it use a little help? For most businesses, the answer is yes. Tune in each week to Marketing That Won't Break the Bank. Host Janet Kunst and her guests will show you how and where to bring your marketing to the next level. Each show will feature action strategies that you can implement right away and see results. We'll make this easy for you. Start by tuning in every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders, the Voice America's channel's growing series about leadership and business issues that you need to know about. Today, we're speaking with Stephanie Verliak, EU officer of Search and Information Association Europe, Claudius Dietermann, lawyer at uh, Knier, Rim Treib, attorneys at law. Both are experts in data protection, and we're talking about what companies will need to do to meet the new EU regulations on data even if they're not located in the EU. I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, CEO and leadership expert, and also the general manager of CINDA Search and Information. So we've, we've um, Claudius and Steph, we have talked, we've talked quite a bit about, you know, what this is about, okay, and what have to do. So let's I'd like to talk about accountability for a minute. And I'll start with, um, you know, I'm a CEO, I have a company, what do I have to inform my employees about this? I mean, am I if my employee does something wrong, am I inc- accountable in this?
3: Yeah, so I, I mean s- the the whole thing with this accountability principle is that it, it's a new one and it's just changing the the kind of burden of proof, if you want. So you are presumed to be compliant, and you don't need to do. Uh, w- what you needed to do previously in Europe is uh, you needed to notify each type of data processing you were doing to the data protection authority. This is is removed, but in exchange, you are presumed to be compliant. And if the authority is checking on your data processing and finds that you're doing something wrong, then you are liable. So this is what accountability means. And of course, as a CEO, you are accountable for what your employees and your services are doing. So the first advice is really to make data protection policy management uh, a C-suite and a a boardroom discussion uh, at at this very right moment. Because because if you have something uh, happening in your back office or uh, in your marketing department which doesn't obey the rules, uh, then you're going to be the one which is uh, accountable in the end.
1: So when you say presumed to be compliant, that means also um, that doesn't, that's not just EU companies, that's anybody yeah. who's yeah. handling that. So I could be I could be sitting in Kansas City or I could be sitting in Singapore or I could be, you know, sitting in Tel Aviv and I have data of EU um, citizens and I, so I'm presumed to be compliant under this law, correct? Yeah. Okay Okay. so um, a little bit a little bit on on this accountability in the structures. You said that a lot of companies are are starting to to build, you know to really look at these policies and and also it seems like the bigger companies are actually putting into um, chief uh, compliant data protection officers. Have you seen that trend?
3: Yes, yes, yes. Well, it's, it's really growing, and uh, everybody expects that uh, the demand for data protection officers in uh, in Europe, but also everywhere in the world, is going to grow uh, a lot. Uh, the, the thing is that this is also one good tip uh, for you, is to really quickly uh, appoint a data protection officer, if your company is processing a large amount of data or if you are uh, or if data is uh, like at the cornerstone of uh, of your activities which is probably the case for 80% of companies in the world <laughs> so okay. it doesn't really it doesn't really mean that uh, only big companies have to appoint data protection officers uh, it could be also something very important for a small one but you don't need to have an internal you can have outsourced Uh, the thing is that you need to have a counterpart uh, with the um, for the data protection authority to be able to dialogue uh, on the data protection uh, treatment so yes the data protection officer is going to play a key role in uh, in a number of companies in the coming years Mm -hmm. okay so let's um uh,
1: claudius i'd like to come back to you so let's let's pretend something happens okay you know either I got hacked or or an employee or just something happens so can you talk to us a little bit about what I have to do as a company about you know the notification of the breach and then also a little bit of um, the harm threshold when do we know when something's you know where's the risks and the and the fines on what's the harm threshold could you talk to us a little bit about that
2: um yeah sure um for the the harm uh, threshold, you really need to uh, look at it from a user's perspective. So um, it makes a huge difference um, whether, for example, um, uh, the the data about you um, is about your your health or um, uh, your political attitude, or for uh, for example, or whether you are um, active in a workers' union. Um, information uh, like that is um, Considered being sensitive information, and uh, there um, the risk or uh, the harm um, possible one is uh, considered being higher. And when this, when you have a data breach in your company, um, you we separate um, uh, the information obligations um, towards the uh, supervisory authority. This needs to be um, done within uh, 72 hours, but when the um, risk is high for the data subjects themselves, you immediately also have to notify them because they need to be aware of the breach so they can also um, take measures themselves to in order to protect themselves. I don't know, it can be credit card information or mm-hmm. anything that comes to your mind, so Yeah
1: okay, so so when when you say this, this is really interesting because i'm I'm starting to think, um, I, I know, for example, data in the United States is quite accessible on police records and everything like that. okay, um, but of course, that's within the United States, but within the EU, that kind of stuff would be really sensitive data um, and would would probably. You know uh, be something that I, as an individual want uh, you know c- don't want out there or or health information is exactly. Yes, is there, mm-hmm. okay uh, um
2: payment information is not uh, sensitive data, even though for too many people uh, it is of course <laughs> <laughs> most people is of course very sensitive, but um it really um, sensitive uh, data is re- defined in the g d p r and um yeah, it's more. Mm-hmm regarding um, things like health or um, political or sexual orientation as well.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. And then so if I'm hacked and I have that kind of data, then I have uh, one more time on, first of all, non-sensitive data and sensitive data, just to be clear. How much, if a breach takes place, what are the timeframes and whom do I have to notify if it's not sensitive? And then if if it is sensitive, just to be clear one more time.
2: Um, yeah, if the if the risk is high to the data subjects, you immediately um, have to inform them. So, mm-hmm. this means for companies that you already have to be prepared. You have to know exactly what kind of data you process um, of what uh, people. And um, uh, very often when um, we um, uh, talk to companies, um, they aren't even quite aware of what kind of data they process, um, uh, Um, Yeah, for what purposes. And you really have a very, very limited time frame. So companies need to be prepared to um, comply with those small time frames of, um, for example, 72 uh, 72 hours or even immediately or Mm -hmm. without undue delay.
1: Mm-hmm. And how how is that information done? Is that is, does does it specify if it has to be by email or telephone or or SMS or or who knows what? I mean, is there any? I mean, if I don't look at my email, well, of course I look at my email almost every day. But if I'm on a plane and I'm traveling for 24 hours, I might not. So I mean, is there any is there any format that has to be informed in?
2: Um, I don't know um, exactly if it has to fit a specific format, but um, as a company, of course, you're only um, in the first moment you have the contact information, usually the data sub- subject gave you.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so that, would be, yeah. that would be the thing, okay. Yeah, yeah. one of
3: the things is that the the one of the aims of this uh, GDPR is also to be technologically neutral. So they want to have a set of laws which doesn't prescribe one technology over the other. So it's, it doesn't specify a, a specific format or segment because of this technological neutrality uh, approach. Okay,
1: good. So um, let me let me go back to to I'm sitting here listening to this as a as CEO, and I'm going, oh my gosh, okay <laughs> I mean you know oh wow, I didn't know about this and and I'm just seeing like millions of dollars or millions of euros and how much this is going to cost. Um, but if I don't do it, how much does it cost? <laughs> The fines. So associated. talking about
3: fines. I mean when when we talk about fines, this is one of the biggest changes also that uh, that came from uh, this regulation compared to the former directive, is that uh, fines for breach uh, for data breaches can can go up to four percent of the global turnover of the company. Wow. So uh, it it's big money, no matter what what your turnover is, because four uh, percent of your global turnover is really a lot of uh, of money. Mm-hmm. And uh, we saw with the Facebook uh, find that uh, that uh, with the Spanish uh, authority uh, they are ready to go for that. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so so another really big w-
1: mm-hmm. so in other words, worth me investing the the ten thousand. Now, instead of the ten million yeah. later. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. Okay. Um, good. As as we get as we start to get to the, to the end of this, and and I really would like our listeners reach out to us because um, uh, the, we have experts um, at Cinda on this subject, and the two experts here. Uh, if you have questions, please reach out to them. Reach out to me because this is a really really important, and we don't have a lot of time do we? So they're, they're really going to, this, everything has to be, you have to be ready on,
3: in May. Is that correct? Yeah. 25th of May, 2018. This mm-hmm. is the deadline.
1: Okay. So that's only a few months away. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so I think with that in mind, I'd like to ask you um, both a little, a, a last question and um, um, Stephanie, I'd, I'd like you first um, to, to give a couple tips to any EU companies out there. And then, Claudius, if you were giving tips to the CEOs of non EU companies, um, what would be your probably the first three things or the biggest things to do right away? And they may be the same, but I just like to hear, um, Steph, for EU companies?
3: Yeah. So the first thing to do is uh, to do a data mapping uh, overview of uh, which data you have, for which purpose you process it, and to which uh, recipients you are are, uh, with whom you are you are exchanging this data. This is really the first key thing to do is to do and to do that all over uh, your uh, various departments or or, uh, departments or or, uh, parts or uh, also with all your employees. This is the first thing. The second thing would be uh, to uh, look for, a, to appoint a data protection officer and to search for the one, for the uh, the really good one, which could be internal or external outsourced, but who understands your business and who understands also the legal uh, compliance environment. And the third thing that I would do is also... Uh, look at some uh, insurance and uh, and uh, and uh, do a risk-based assessment. Let's say of how much uh, is it worth for me investing into uh, data protection and insurance uh, compared to, to the possible fines I could get if this this doesn't okay. get right.
1: And Claudius, you have any?
3: Is there one thing you want
1: to add to that? Because I'm sure that's probably pretty much for all companies. Is there anything special that you want to add for companies outside of Europe?
2: Yes, exactly. Um, uh, when you come, when you do business from outside of Europe, you maybe need to appoint an, a representative um, within the EU that can easily happen because the requirements are not that difficult um, to meet. And then, yeah, you need to um, uh, appoint a representative in order to make business in the mm-hmm. EU. But let me just also um, add to the, this real quick that um, you shouldn't just see the GDPR as a as a burden. Um, you can also really see it as a as a chance. There is a growing awareness for privacy. Um, And companies who understand that will have a competitive advantage. Even in in India, two weeks ago, um, the Supreme Court ruled that um, um, privacy is a fundamental right. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you very, very much. Um, It's been great having you. And um, if you want to reach out to Stephanie or Claudio, Stephanie at Cinda.com, Claudio's Dietermann at uh, post. E-O-D-E, so P-O-S-T-E-O. And thank you for joining me today. So as we end this series, um, good leadership is about protecting your company, employees, and your customers' rights. It means you have to stay on top of all the issues that may impact your business if you are a good leader. So for leaders... What's important to remember, if you're doing business with any EU company or persons, whether it's deliberate interaction or it's not deliberate, you must comply to the laws we've been talking about today. And remember, these laws are retroactive and ignorance is not an excuse. So you've been listening to Leadership Beyond Borders, a program sponsored by Global Business Therapy, SRO, and the Women's Leadership Academy 2020. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. Please reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Visit my website, Global Business Therapy. You can visit Cinda's website at www.cinda. And it's been great talking to you. Again, thank you. And as we wrap up today, my leadership word for the day is accountability. Thanks, Steph. Thanks, Claudius.
0: Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.